Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. And welcome to Overreaders Anonymous, a vision for you big book study, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Today's date is Friday, October 28, 2022. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism, and we are on page 38, reading the first paragraph. On through the years, this conduct continues, all the way through that one paragraph ending in such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? And unpacking that paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you everyone, Team Friday, Barbara E., Anne-Marie M., Janice P. M., Nancy R., our newcomer greeter, Christina L., and the host for the second awesome unrecorded hour, Betsy H. The reference numbers for Thursday, October 27, 2022, 7 a.m. is 19,567, and the 10 a.m. is 19,568. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Janice PM to read the 12 steps. Thanks, Janice. Please go ahead. Well, thank you, Amy. My name is Janice PM, a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless small inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pat. Thank you so much, Janice. Okay, I'm now going to ask Nancy R. to read the 12 traditions. Your turn, Nancy. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amy G. I am Nancy R., a compulsive overeater in New York. Good morning, everyone. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I'm grateful to do service. Thank you, and I, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy. All right, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. 
to share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 38. The first paragraph on through the years, this conduct continues. And I'm going to ask Barbara E. to get us started. Go ahead, Barbara. Can't wait. Thank you so much, and happy Halloween to those who celebrate. On through the years, this conduct continues, accompanied by continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Finally, he can no longer work. His wife gets a divorce, and he's held up to ridicule. He tries every known means to get the jaywalking out of his head. He shuts himself in an asylum, hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? Well, for me, first and foremost is I can't give up what I want most. I'm sorry, I hear the, some back talking. Yeah, give, give, our, give our dash person a second. We'll mute it. Okay? There you go. Okay. Keep on going, Barbara. Okay. First and foremost is I can't give up I, for what I want most, for what I want in that one moment. And God no longer is a religion. It's a relationship. As we went through the big book, my sponsor always told me to look up certain words. And one of the words was insanity. The dictionary said an abnormal or sick state of mind. The second word was delusional. For example, imagining I see an oasis in the middle of the desert, but when I get there, it's not there. I imagined it. Another meaning is a false belief, an erroneous misperception, like I can solve my food problem on my own without a spiritual connection. Well, it was my insane, delusional thinking that always won every argument. My mind was hijacked by my disease and led me to an insane, trivial excuse. This time it would be different, or even I wouldn't think at all getting a thrill out of testing the limits. How much could I eat without getting hurt? Compelling me to do something stupid, always forgetting the consequences. My best thinking failed me and sent me spiraling down the rabbit hole again. And then the mental obsession took over to be, to be preoccupied by a thought that one couldn't get out of one's mind no matter how much wanted to. For me, my mouth began to water just at the thought of a certain food I desired, and I couldn't get it out of my head until I gave in and got it. And then the craving for more set in. Surely that's true insanity. My behavior was indeed as absurd as the Jay Walker. But if I wanted the promises offered... I had no choice unless I gave up and willing was willing to do the work before me. But it took me time to truly concede to this process 
that I needed a power to keep me focused and pray to my power and pause pray and pray all through the day. Thy will be done, not mine. That was the key to that was the key to unlock the door to my own hellish hellish prison, shackled to the food and destructive behaviors, and set me free from the bondage to the to food and the behaviors that were killing me. Thank you, everyone. I pass. Thank you so much, Barbara, for getting us started. Okay, so we're going to take names of those who would like to also share about what was read on page 38, first paragraph. And although we value your experience, strength, and hope always, we ask that you please, if you shared in the last two days, namely Thursday or Wednesday, that you hold off and allow others to share first. So let's get this party started. Who'd like to share? Rick J. Katie G. Katie G. Rick J. Melissa C. Melissa. Arlen G. Harlan. I think we've got a good group right Sharon here. Sharon K. Sharon K. Yep. Yep, I'll throw you in there. Okie dokie. All right, Rick J, Katie G, Melissa C, Harlan G, Jennifer C, Donna S, Shalisha A, and Sharon K. All righty, Rick J, you're up. Please go ahead, followed by Katie G. Uh, good morning, Amy. Thanks so much for your service. Good morning, everybody. Rick J, I'm recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. I love the jaywalker. I am jaywalker, just as we heard yesterday. We can all relate to this. When at first, it is a little difficult until I realized that they're just describing this this insane behavior from the perspective of someone who's who's looking at this perspective, you know, through this lens. And I couldn't see the insanity of my own compulsive eating. I really couldn't. I remember one time sharing with one of my best friends who is in another 12-step program with me, you know, and I was just like, I just can't stop, you know, and and he just said, well, just don't eat so much, you know, and, and it was, to me, it was this almost a slap in the face until I realized, you know, he has no idea what it's like to be me. The only people who understand me truly are you. I need you. I need people who truly understand me. And I'm, I, I, uh, in my mind, you know, the, um, the Jay Walker actually received the gift of desperation when he broke his back. Now he goes to, uh, you know, Jay Walker's anonymous meetings and he stands up there. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jay. I'm a, I'm a compulsive Jay Walker and everybody laughs. And, you know, Jay Walker. And, I love the Jay Walker. I love the Jay so, Walker. I'm sharing about him today. <laughs> That's how much I love him. Um, okay. Um, so anyway, Please that's me ahead. and I need you. I need that perspective. I need people who truly understand, you know, and and who knows, like when, when I began, I was looking for an effect and he had the effect of, you know, the thrill, 
and he chased that effect and and then you know he became the mental obsession kicked in you know and and then he lost the power to control it and you know with alarming consequences and then that mental obsession and then he was powerless to stop and he kept trying to control it and then the insanity and then the progressiveness and the you know and the permanence of it the severe consequences you know insane asylum wife left broken back legs arm you know he's desperate and you know whatever our journey is in this insane world to everyone else we're absolutely crazy no one can understand us but we understand each other and i am so grateful to be with all you jaywalkers out there without i pass thank you so much rick j all right katie g you're up followed by melissa c hey amy thanks for thanks for taking the meeting good morning everyone this is katie g and i'm recovered from anorexia bulimia compulsive eating i guess what came to me is a lot right like first of all the continual promises to my husband over and over again like i'm not going to exercise like i remember him taking my my phone and looking at the app the exercise app on my watch and lying to me and pretending that he was um, giving me the phone um, or he was taking the phone because he wanted to look at something that was broken but the reason that he the reason that he was doing that is so he could see how much I was exercising and then on top of that um, I you know I promised him it's gonna be different it's gonna be different but I couldn't stop and then, you know, I tried to get the exercise idea out of my head. And I remember, you guys, I remember calling one of our beloved sisters in this fellowship and telling her I'm crazy. Why? Because my husband used the D word. And if you know me, you know I've been trying to get married since I came into these rooms. I've been trying to have kids since I came into these rooms. And I wanted to change. And I didn't want him to leave me. And so I thought, well, why don't I just hospitalize myself? And do you know, I, t I called someone in these rooms and she said, you don't need to be hospitalized. You need to grow up. Why? Because I need to grow up. Like I always used to say the disease is in the parking lot doing push-ups. It's not. The disease inside of me is inside of me. And I can't separate the truth from the false. Like it didn't matter to me. Like, yes, I had a lot of frothy emotional appeal that he was going to leave me and I was going to lose my children. But at the end of the day, I wanted to be thin. At the end of the day, I wanted to be thinner. And what does this mean? Like, no, I'm not going to sign off now and tell you everything's dead because I'm alive. Right? So what happened? I I can't, I can't tell you except that I got to such a bottom that all I could do was beg the woman that I just thought was working the craziest recovery program I had ever heard, called her and begged her and said, please tell me how to breathe. Like, tell me how to get through this day, this minute, this second, because I don't know. I don't know and I'm in so much pain. And I can tell you that a God that is so big and loving and expansive has come into my mind and my heart in a way that is indeed miraculous. And I can be present for my kids. We're going trick-or-treating today. I can't wait. You know what? I may or may not exercise today. I don't care. You know what else? I'm not getting on the scale today. I put on 10 pounds. I don't care how thin I am. I don't care how whatever. It doesn't matter why. I wish I could say, and I'll wrap up with this, that consequences were good enough for me, but they're not. 
I need God. I need an entire psychic change, these 12 steps, and God each and every day. What a privilege it is to share this with you all today. And with that, I pass. Perfect timing. Thank you, Katie G. All righty. Melissa C., followed by Harlan G. Grab the mic, Melissa. It's your turn. Yeah, hi. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um, I hope I have a decent signal because I keep kind of cutting in and out, I think. But um, I'll do my best, and if not, it'll just kind of exit me. Um, you know, I... I read the story of the jaywalker, and I know, like, at first it's like, okay, this is ridiculous because I don't even understand how this could be fun for someone, like, darting in and out of traffic. So at first it seemed preposterous, and especially because, you know, I I like to think at one point that eating was fun, but it's not. You know, like, the way that I ate was like running through traffic because, um, you know, it's not social. For me, eating is not social. Just like normal people cross streets, like, all the time, right? They just, they walk, they get from one side to another. It's a normal activity. And people eat all the time, and it's a normal activity. They even eat socially all the time, and it's a normal activity. But for me, eating was painful. It was, you know, it was in parked cars in the dark, you know, like hiding from my family that I loved, um, eating things that shouldn't be eaten in a car, you know, that really required a fork and a table and a knife. But I, you know, I'm that jaywalker. And, um, and I would make all these promises, like yes to other people in my life. Because I had a lot of people who would appeal to me from that sort of emotional appeal, but to myself. I made promises to myself all the time. And, you know, um, and I couldn't keep them. And I, you know, and I tried to both moderate, like, be careful, right? That line when he says to be more careful, that to me is moderate, do it in moderation, or avoid it altogether. And I made those promises, too, that I will never, I used to say, I will never do blank again. I will never eat blank again. And I meant it when I made those promises, but it was like a magnet. I was just pulled to do it again and again and again. And consequences didn't matter. It didn't matter what I was doing to myself physically. It didn't matter how I was feeling emotionally. It didn't matter that, you know, I couldn't hold my young son because the size of my body kept me from holding a child that I loved. And none of it matters, right? And so today, it's not the memory of the consequences that keep me from darting through traffic or from taking that first compulsive bite. It's it's a relationship with a power greater than myself. And I don't have to avoid streets anymore, right? In fact, I can walk through the street, but I'm not I'm not darting in and out of traffic. I'm not tempting fate. Um, and thanks with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. All right, Harlan G., followed by Jennifer C. Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you very much, Amy. Thanks for taking the meeting and for your service. I'm Harlan G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, 
And the story of the jaywalker is definitely the story of my life. And when we look at the story of the jaywalker, it's very easy to focus in on the description of insanity that we have been talking about and reading about. And that's very, very true that this is for me a form of absolute insanity, sanity being wholeness of mind and insanity being partial uh not partial, but not wholeness of mind, if that's if there's such a word or an expression. But let's take a look at something that applies to me, and that is not just the insanity of the jaywalker, but also the progressive nature of the disease. Because as we read through the jaywalker, the consequences keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. They never stay the same, and they never get better. And the other thing that the story of the jaywalker illustrates for me is that no matter how much he did not want to be doing this, he did it because of a compulsion. And we talked about looking up words. And when I look up the word compulsive, because we all say it, we all say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm a compulsive overeater. Some people say different things, but most of us say compulsive overeater. What does that mean? Resulting from or relating to an irresistible urge, especially one that is against one's conscious wishes. Am I doing this against my will? I think so. And when I would, like Rick said, when I would tell people I'm doing this against my will, they would all look at me with the most obvious question, why don't you stop? And the reason that I cannot stop is without knowing it from the day I was born. The reality that I was born into created an unwe, a fear, a, a selfishness, a, a, a restless, irritable, discontented situation. And the reality that I was born into is so uncomfortable to me. And the only thing that my brain knows is the comfort, the ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating certain foods. And it says here, he shuts himself up in an asylum. I assume that in the asylum he couldn't jaywalk. And what do we learn from a man of 30 who did some spree drinking? He remained bone dry for 25 years. We learn that abstinence or sobriety does not treat the disease. It does not treat the illness. I could be abstinent from compulsive overeating for a million years. And the minute I pick it up again, I won't be back where I started. I'll be worse. So the jaywalker illustrates permanent, progressive, and if untreated, fatal. And I need to learn that, too. And with that, thanks, Amy. I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. All right, Jennifer C., followed by Donna S. Go ahead, Jennifer. Jennifer Star wanted to unmute. Good morning. Um, thank you for your service. This is Jennifer C. in Greenville, South Carolina. So, you know, the tickets and the injuries and the consequences, right, and all the facts that um, make it very, very clear to the jaywalker that he is indeed a jaywalker, right? 
Um, they're all there. There's no denying it. In my life as a compulsive overeater, I can make a list. I can do a food history. can add it all up. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Sign me up. I am this, right? The reality is that I know I'm a jaywalker. Like, I know it's insane. I know it's killing me. I wake up and I say, today's going to be the day that I stop. And then the insane idea to get one more jaywalk in is paramount, right? That's the insanity. My insanity as a jaywalker doesn't just show up in my jaywalking, but it shows up in my cutting corners. Um, you know, the behaviors that always lead me back. Um, there's a treatment plan for all the scrapes and bruises. There's a game plan that is proven to work. These steps, this program works. It is one of the most effective treatments out there. It is the most effective treatment out there for addicts. It is scientifically proven to work. And I want to cut corners. I want to cut corners. The jaywalker insists on putting his own bandages on, right? Even though he needs someone else to do it for him. He wants to do it himself. He needs daily medicine to heal. And he wants to take it here and there and when he feels like it. He needs to abstain entirely from going for walks but he keeps trying to find ways that he can get away with behaviors that always lead him back to jaywalking. So the jaywalking is the insanity, but in my life today, the insanity is all the ways that I don't want to accept the treatment plan. I must allow the insanity. Conceding to this insanity means that I also concede to my insanity around working this program. It's not just about the jaywalking. It's about all the resistance, all the lies that tell me I don't need this treatment plan 100%. And that's today the insanity that I must turn to God with. I must turn to my fellows. I must concede to this treatment plan being my only option. And when the jaywalker keeps trying to clean his own bruises, he needs people around him to continue to remind him that he cannot do it alone. So thank you. I, I, I am this. I am the jaywalker, both, both in the food and out of the food, resisting the treatment plan. But thank you that I have, you know, people in my life that just keep guiding me on to keep taking my medicine. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Jennifer C. All right, Donna S., followed by Shalisha. And just a quick reminder, we are on page 38 on the first paragraph. Just going through that one paragraph. Okay, Donna S., please go ahead. Uh, hi, good morning. Donna S. in South Florida. Thank you so much for your service and all the shares that I've heard this morning. Um, oh, my. The Jay, work, the Jay Walker is one of my favorites um, to read. My family, we talk about him, all, not all the time, but we talk about the Jay Walker because I'm, I have a family that's all in a 12-step program. And um, I'm the only one that's in OA. There are there in other ones. But um, the insanity with the food, oh, my God. I, I need to be here. Because, you know, the obsession is so great. And it's just not being able to, when you're in that, not being able to put the food down, it's so much like the jaywalker. 
I mean, when I first read the big book years ago, um, I really didn't really get the jaywalker, but I do today. I understand. I understand the compulsive, the compulsiveness of it all. And, you know, for years and not being able to change, you know, change my food and the behavior, just not being able to do it. Oh, my gosh. I pushing my HP aside. I could push my HP aside even when he's, when he's giving me his gentle touch. You know, I could still do that. I want that, that quick feeling that I will be okay. If I just have that food, but knowing it's not the right thing, HPV can be telling me that, and I still can go for the food. It's um, I can't just start off in the morning. When I start off in the morning with everything, I feel feel so good, and I feel like, you know, I'm I've got this. It's good. I feel like I'm all spiritual today because I got my meeting. I talked to somebody. I just felt like I did did writing. I did everything that I have to. But if I don't slow down during the day and put HP in everything because I have a busy life, I can still just forget my forget my higher powers there and um I'm off to being like the jaywalker again. Because I can go to a um business meeting and they could put certain food in front of me that I know that is poison and it hurts me. But just because I'm in the crowd, I, I still have to take care of myself the way um, my HP wants me to take care of me lovingly. But my, not with my insane mind. Not if I'm in the food and I'm doing being the jaywalker because I'm in the fatal disease that wants me dead. I get high cholesterol, high blood pressure, not being able to move. This puts me... This puts me in the doctor's office, in the hospital, and then maybe to death to hospice. Am I going to die? Yes, I'm going to die. But am I going to die following God's path or kill myself with an early death? And that's, that's all I have to share. Thank you so much, Donna. Okay, Shalisha A, followed by Karen K. Go ahead, Shalisha. You're up. Good morning. My name is Shalisha. I'm a compulsive overeater, and um, the, more about alcoholism is my favorite chapter because it describes my disease to a T. Um, on through the years, um, I uh, my conduct continues. My doctor told me 10 years ago when I went into relapse, 12 years ago, um, I went into relapse with the sugar and the flour and the greens and not only did I gain 100 pounds um, over the years, um, but my cholesterol went up. Now I'm pre-diabetic, and they told me, you've got to stop, Shalisha. And the fact that my dad died of a stroke and strokes and high blood pressure and diabetes run in my family on both sides, that has it, it has, hasn't been enough to stop me. The The doctor's warnings haven't stopped me. And so here I am going to be 57. I, I, I'm I terrified that, you know, I'm going to die of a stroke and be or, or be disabled. And yet I still eat compulsively the things that trigger the allergy. And, you know, I, I've tried every like form of uh, like, oh, there's a meditation. Oh, there's a book called how to 
it's called how to eat thin or, or I want every I'm trying every means to stop the compulsive overeating without having to give up the foods that trigger it and without having a spirit to do the spiritual work. Um, my excuses are I'm too tired to do a 10 step. I'm busy. It really won't work for me because I'm the exception. Um, and, um, you know, and I'll get days together, and then I'll feel great, and then not a cloud on the horizon, and then I'll just go eat. And this happened just Tuesday night. Um, everything, you know, I was stayed on my plan for, you know, however many days, felt good, and then we had anniversary cake at the AA meeting. And I didn't have it, but I was so resentful that I couldn't have it that I went and got something else. And then since Tuesday, I've been, you know, in and out of the, the bags and boxes. And, um, you know, I'm terrified. And so I'm looking for uh, somebody to uh, – I got numbers yesterday. Um, I'm interested in doing the work around the food, um, the step work. Uh, and, um, you know – get on my knees in the morning and ask God to help me. I, I ask God to help me stay sober, but I need to ask God to help me stay abstinent. Time. And thank you very much. I pass. Thank you so much, Alicia. Okay, Karen Kay, you're up. Then we're going to take some more names. Good morning. My name is Karen Kay, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credit still don't transfer. You know, for the longest time, I thought, you know, if I could just do these steps perfectly, if I could do blank, 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 um, the food plan, this and that, this and that. And I'm going through some beautiful times in my life, and what I'm learning more and more, it's about a relationship with God. That's all my job is, is when I work with others, am I bringing to the table what my experience, strength, and hope is of God or higher power. What is that relationship like? Because humans will always fail me and break things, and I will let humans down, and I will break things, including my husband. But what I need to learn is it's a relationship with God. One time I was driving home from work, and it was late, and I was trying to call people, you know, blah, 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 the dreaded tense stuff, you know, and... No, it's God. And we actually have jaywalkers in Syracuse. I watch them, and they really dodge the cars, and some of them make it, you know? And it's incredible how they still do it. There's one particular street when they go to work, they're just, they're just set up that way. I look at those of Godwinks, but that could be me. I will never arrive in this program. I will never be perfect. I will never have what they call back-to-back because, you know, that's just impossible. That's being a saint, and I'd have to be buried six feet under before that would even happen. I accept my humanness. I receive my love from my God. I try to give it to other people. And then when I'm allowed to do that, I can see the big book just light up and the letters just coming off the page and speaking to me that I'm able to share with, with others and the insanity of the jaywalker and how I utilize that with food or any other addiction. And with that, I'll pass, and everybody have a blessed Friday. 
Thank you so much, Karen. Okay, friendly reminder, everyone, we are on page 38. We're on the first paragraph, unpacking that one paragraph only, starting with on through the years. We can take probably four or five more shares. So who would like to share? Geneva P. This is Larry J. Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Rosie Geneva W. Okay, hold on, everybody. I've I got Geneva P. and Larry K. Who, who else that I can try to get in here? Rosie W. Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. All right, I've got Pamela P. And then I think there was Anne Marie, correct? Yes, Anne Marie M. Anne Marie M. Yep, okay, that's, we'll take one more. Who else did I miss? Rosie W. Okay, Rosie. All right, we'll see how we go, Rosie. Okay, uh, Geneva P., you're up. Please go ahead. Morning, everybody. I'm Geneva P. from Chicago. And um, this is a good reading for me today. My insanity is just like the jaywalkers. It's like, how much risk can I take without having those consequences? Like, what can I get away with? And it is a thrill. And I've had periods in OA where somehow, like, for a brief a brief period of time, I was managing, you know, kind of a normal weight and getting away with it. And here I am seeing, you know, <laughs> it has progressed. And my son went to college, um, my only boy went to college uh, about a month ago. And I was doing so well, and all of a sudden, two days before he left, I started my nighttime eating again. And since he's been gone, I've only been able to get together, you know, a few days here and there. And I work so hard during the day, it's like, I am committed, and then something happens at night where my disease tells me you can get that ease and comfort one more time and not have the consequences one more time. And um, so the other morning I woke up, and I've been having these food hangovers. And I'm not eating, I'm not eating sugar, I'm not eating crap, but I'm eating way too much healthy <laughs> carbs, starches, whatever, and I woke up, and I'm like, you know, that remorse and that guilt and that shame, and the thought, like, came up out of me. It wasn't a thought that I consciously thought, but it was, I hate myself, and I was like, whoa, where did that come from, and it scared the crap out of me, but that's where my disease wants me, and it's progressive, and if my disease can just keep me in this overeating, that turns into self-hatred, and then, like, I'm rendered useless. So today, one day at a time, I think, you know, thank you, God, that I've had this month to really understand, yes, I am a compulsive overeater, I don't know how to feel my feelings, and I eat. And it's all with this premise underneath, like, I'm going to figure out a way to eat as much as I want and get away with it. So I'm super grateful to, like, even through the pain, to know, like, this is a gift. This gift of 
like, I don't want to do this anymore. It scared me. I don't want to feel like crap. Life is too good. And it's an exciting time for me um, being on my own with my kid at school. Um, I just thank you so much. Thank you for this meeting, and I'll pass. Thank you, Geneva. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Pamela P. Go ahead, Larry. Uh, thanks so much, Amy. Appreciate your service. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. You know, um, I talk to, to somebody every day, guy, and he reminds me. You'd think I would know this. I don't know why I need a reminder that I have a progressive disease. You know, why, why do we need a reminder? I mean, I mean, you know, some of us have been around a long time. <laughs> we, we've, we, 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 we got this down pat, right? No, you know, that's, that's really not the case. Um, as human beings, there's, there's no getting this down pat. There's just, um, you know, there's just a daily walk where we are seeking access to power. I have a progressive disease. I need to do more and different. I don't, I don't, uh, it doesn't mean I need to grip this program tighter. I've got to hold it tighter, grab it, bite it, and got it. No, that's not what it means at all. I can wear it like a loose-fitting garment, but I wear it. Every day I put that loose-fitting garment on because like the jaywalker, I I have found myself, I don't know about you, but I have found myself slipping and sliding at different times and you know and and uh and that is an indication at those times of my spiritual state of being i'm convinced of that when my spiritual state of being you know putting the food plan aside putting all the x's and o's aside at the at the end of the day when my spirit when my spiritual state of mind is kind of you know loose and you know and slipping and sliding then eventually Picking up something, it may not start with food, is going to feel, like Amy says and others say, like a step up, right? It's going to feel like uh, some, that, that it's really possible. And I've seen people die of this disease, beautiful, lovely, wonderful people, and they're dead, and they're never coming back. Now, I know I'm going to take my last breath. That's a given. So are you. But I do not want to die of this disease. And I don't have to die of this disease. I have access to a power, a power much greater than me. And that's why I commit to this every day. I just try to do it each day. So thanks for your service, Amy. Thank you, everyone. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay, Pamela P. followed by Erin Marie M. Go ahead, Pamela. Hello, um, this is Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Yes, um, this disease is scary. Um, so I have been losing weight, and I thank God for God, OA, and my partner for providing me, helping me with the food and everything. But this disease is scary, and for one minute, I'm thinking I'm a normal eater. That all it takes in one slip. And you, you just can't stop. I just can't. I just go crazy with the food. And then sometimes when I do that and I'm still losing weight, the disease gave me a false idea I'm getting away with it. Then suddenly, like a thief of the night, 
the the weight that come on and it don't, don't go away. And so um, I'm just, I'm just terrified. I ain't gripped with the disease. I let myself. I must use the program every day as much as possible. And I must use the availability of my sponsor, the people program, the the great meeting like this meeting and other meetings throughout the day. I try to at least one or two morning meetings and maybe one afternoon meeting. And just be reminded throughout it daily that you haven't eaten this oil. You cannot be around people that trigger you. And that's my number one trigger or boredom or not doing anything for a long period of time. And then I just think like I didn't want to eat to pass the time. So I do have a lot of time on hand, but I, you know, I'm I'm just trying. Um, I'm, I don't want to get to recovery that I hear on this line and hear other OA meetings. And it just, it just triggered so much things trigger me easy, like people, places, or things. So I do think God just for today, for the awareness, for the availability of the help I need, is just trying to, you know, be real that I had eaten this order disease. I can't let myself think that I'm a normal either anytime during the 24 hour I have today. So that all I want to say, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pamela P. All right, Anne Marie M. I think we'll be able to get Rosie in too. Go ahead, Anne Marie. Good morning, Amy. Can you hear me? I can. I hate that question, but I'm having trouble with my phone. <laughs> no worries. Please go ahead. Oops. Okay. Did I... There you are. Okay, here I am. Um, Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina, um, and through God's grace and working the 12 steps of OA, the obsession of compulsive eating has been removed, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, just so very grateful. You know, I was thinking about the paragraph before, and I remembered the adrenaline rush that I would get. Uh, just just like this um, guy who... Drake jaywalked, you know. When I read that story, I mean, I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's me, that's me." Just like the uh, alcoholic number three when they're talking to the guy in the bed, and he said, "My gosh, that's me, that's me." And I and I kept thinking, I get some, I was getting something out of it. And for years in therapy, they were trying to convince me that I was getting something out of the food, and it was like, no, 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 this, I'm doing this to myself. I am sabotaging myself, I'm no good, yada, yada, yada. And um, I was just so grateful to learn. This, too, is, is my favorite paragraph. I heard someone else say that, uh, for favorite, um, favorite chapter, uh, because it does talk to me about my the obsession of the mind. And so just so very, very grateful. And I, it was almost like out of the clear blue sky, <clears throat> excuse me, just like when Jim was saying that, you know, the thought crossed my mind. Like it just came out of the clear blue sky. And I've learned since then, since I've been working the steps, it, it goes way beyond picking up that first bite and working the steps. I can look back. I, I can look back and see that each one of my relapses 
was due to some kind of emotional distress that happened days, sometimes weeks before that I kept stuffing and stuffing. And so um, I'm really, really grateful. I, I don't know how many times I promised myself, and I really, really meant it. Like, I am I am not going to compulsively eat today. And and I was determined. And I couldn't get through the day. I, I couldn't. Um, but working the steps and relying on God, that was a big key for me because a lot of the times I was relying on self, just like before when I had gone days and weeks with this problem or this feeling that I was not discussing with someone else or was not asking God to help me with. I was relying on self, thinking I can manage my own. And it didn't work that way. Not for me anyway. It did not work. So I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rose. Um, Anne-Marie, and now we have Rosie W. to take us out. Go ahead, Rosie. Thank you, Amy. Um, <clears throat> I'm Rosie W, Recover Compulsive Visa in Devon in the UK. Really grateful for this meeting and the shares and for being able to get to a live meeting today. Um, <laughs> yeah, my my solution was um, very similar to the jaywalkers when he shuts himself in the uh, asylum hoping to mend his ways. I, um, by the age of 30, I'd realised that uh, my best bet was to somehow become rich so that I could pay somebody to be with me all of the time and to even follow me to, to the toilets to make sure that I didn't eat any of my binge foods. That was my solution. And, and if I didn't become rich, um, I was just going to uh, devise some kind of a system where I would be locked up for most of the day and just let out to have abstinent meals. I'm an educated woman. That was my best solution. Um, anyway, what I see in this paragraph is um, the, the the point at which a semi-unmanageable life becomes unmanageable. You know, on through the years, this conduct continues until we hit the word finally. Finally, he can no longer work. His wife gets divorced and he's held up to ridicule. I mean, that point took took a terrifyingly long time for me. And often when I tell people about my compulsive reading and my recovery, um, you know, there'll be a sort of horrible silence. Then they'll sort of say... Sometimes I eat a whole tub of ice cream too, or sometimes I eat a whole packet of biscuits. <laughs> you know, do you think I've got what you've got? And and no, and I always say to them, listen, is your life unmanageable? Do you feel like the living dead? Do you feel like everything that you care about is is either gone or about to be taken away? Do you feel like you can no longer live like this? And the answer, of course, is always no, because they're not compulsive overeaters. They're just people who eat on their feelings sometimes and who can do. But for me, I I was the living dead. There was there was nothing left for me. And when I look back at it now, I just think what an extraordinary miracle that God opened the door at that moment and that I was willing. And I heard somebody share once that God opens the door for us just only every now and then. Um, and so, you know, if, if, if we're not willing to walk through that door and for me, walking through the door means taking actions. I cannot I cannot be abstinent. I cannot get through the door by making myself abstinent but what I can do is um, follow a course of very clearly laid out directions as I heard somebody share recently like this that no faith is required here just action and the faith just comes with that so thank god I was willing to walk out of that state of no depth death and into the sunshine of the spirit because god had opened the door for me at that moment on that day and without a pass Thank you so much. 
Rosie for getting us uh, finished, wrapping things up here. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today's 7 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You meeting, Friday, October 28, 2022, is 19,572. That's 19572. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Anne Marie M. please read A Vision for You? Yeah, Marie, are you there? Press. Oh, there you are. Yeah, okay, here I am, yes. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to others. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall, share, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.